a massive digital divide. The COVID pandemic upended our educational system. In the middle of spring of 2020, many students and teachers shifted from traditional school environments to 100% online learning with little to no warning and definitely no time to prepare. The result exposed how pervasive technological inequality is in the US and how families' lack of access to computers and reliable internet is more than just a problem. It is a disaster. Students who otherwise wouldn't struggle in school struggled due to a lack of resources at home. It probably didn't surprise anyone to learn that decisions made by both our government and telecom companies primed that crisis to be much worse than it already was. The pandemic increased our reliance on technology, but it also exposed how much traditional school systems and online learning were and are still at odds, particularly in terms of infrastructure. School districts seriously considered whether or not to resume in-person classes in the fall of 2020. For a while, it looked like physical attendance would be supplemented, if not entirely replaced, by virtual instruction. So back then, the CDC released guidelines on safely reopening schools, such as placing physical barriers between students' desks and requiring face masks. Yet, many of those were not feasible due to several factors, such as the number of students in a single class and funding for such preventative measures. Then President Trump even threatened to pull federal funds from schools if they did not, quote, fully open. But that put the health of hundreds of thousands of students, teachers, school administrators, and parents at risk. Because of the mixed messaging schools received from government and health officials, many people had no idea what their learning model would look like back in fall 2020. In summer of 2020, Los Angeles and San Diego Unified School Districts announced that they wouldn't resume physical classes. Hybrid methods of reopening schools were explored, but they posed significant challenges. On top of all that, most cell and internet providers stopped waiving data overage fees, which kept more students offline when the school year resumed that fall. Several teachers reported that students who were typically enthusiastic and engaged in class stopped turning in work because they lost all motivation, they had unreliable or no internet access at all, and they lacked safe, quiet study space at home. In some cases, parents pulled their kids from their studies to take care of younger siblings or do household chores. Other students were basically homeless. So out of all these issues, the problem of internet access is the most common. Organizations like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF, has discussed the digital divide for years. EFF officials stated back in 2020 
that the pandemic increased our reliance on internet access more than ever, but policy decisions left us all at the mercy of a few giant companies whose business concerns don't include all Americans. According to a 2019 Federal Communications Commission broadband report, FCC broadband report, 21.3 million Americans, or about 6.5% of the population, lack access to broadband internet. According to Broadband Now, if an ISP internet service provider offers service to at least one household in a census block, then the FCC counts the entire census block as covered by that provider. Broadband Now estimates that the total number of Americans lacking broadband internet access is more likely around 42 million. Most of those individuals live in rural areas, but underreporting affects those who live in homes and apartments in urban areas as well. In 2016, according to a 2018 U.S. Census report, 10.7% of U.S. households, and that's about 12.7 million out of about 120 million homes, lacked a desktop computer. The report also noted that households with a black householder, an African-American, were the least likely to own or use a desktop or laptop they were the least likely to own or use a tablet or even have a broadband subscription. In addition, low-income households were least likely to be high connectivity but had the highest proportion of smartphone-only households. So this indicates that students in households without computer and broadband internet access rely on their cell phones to complete their schoolwork. Some teachers stated that staying in contact with many at-risk students and their families was difficult because they did not have internet access or only had one computer to share among several family members. Some teachers said some students did not know how to access their school emails or even use tools like the magnifying glass to enlarge small print on their computer screens. Many students were used to getting their questions answered right away in class or having someone right there to help them, so they were not used to troubleshooting tech issues independently. Still, knowing how to use the system does not help if you cannot access the system. Almost all cell phone carriers and internet service providers return to business as usual, even though the pandemic has not been eradicated. Taking away hotspots is especially problematic for transient and homeless students. Not all schools and districts can provide these hotspots, either because they lack the funding or they don't even trust the students with them. Oftentimes, the only way they can access the internet to complete classwork and communicate with their teachers is at a local library or the school library, but those were also closed due to the pandemic. Nonprofits like TechSoup, which provides laptops and cell phones to foster kids and at-risk youth, help bridge the gap during normal times, but the pandemic overwhelmed them. 
According to the United States Interagency Council on Homelessness, USICH, over 263,000 students in California experienced homelessness at some point during the 2018-2019 school year, meaning they lacked a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence. In New York, the total number was over 153,000, and in Texas, that number was over 231,000. According to Learn for Life, a network of nonprofit public schools, homeless youth are 87% more likely to drop out of high school, and that statistic was prior to the pandemic. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, recommended that schools clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces as much as possible to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. So that new cleaning routine ultimately became the responsibility of teachers throughout the school day. AI deepfake detectors. So when an AI-generated image of an explosion outside the Pentagon, where the U.S. Department of Defense is headquartered, so when that AI-generated image of an explosion proliferated on social media back in May, it provided a brief preview of a digital information disaster that AI researchers have warned against for years. The image was clearly fabricated, but that did not stop several prominent accounts like Russian state-controlled RT and a Bloomberg News impersonator account from running with that fake news. Local police reportedly received frantic communications from people who believed that another 9-11-style attack was underway. The ensuing chaos sent a brief shockwave through the stock market. So the deepfaked Pentagon fiasco resolved itself in a few hours, but it could have been much worse. Earlier this year, computer scientist Jeffrey Hinton, referred to by some as the godfather of AI, said he was concerned that the increasingly convincing quality of AI-generated images could lead the average person to not be able to know what's true from what's false. Startups and established AI firms are racing to develop new AI deepfake detection tools to prevent that reality from happening. Some of those efforts have been underway for years, but the sudden explosion of generative AI into the mainstream consciousness by OpenAI's DAL-E and ChatGPT has led to an increased sense of urgency and larger amounts of investment to develop some ways to easily detect AI falsehoods. Companies racing to find detection solutions are doing so across all content levels. Some, like startup Optic and Intel's Fake Catcher, focus on identifying AI involvement in audio and video content, while others like fictitious.ai focus their efforts more squarely on text generated by AI chatbots. 
In some cases, these current detection systems seem to perform well, but tech safety experts like former Google Trust and Safety lead Arjun Narayan fear that the tools are still playing catch-up. Some of the companies leading the race to detect deepfakes are Intel, Microsoft, DARPA, OpenAI, Optic, GPT-0, Sentinel, Reality Defender, Attestive, Blackbird.ai, Fictitious.ai, and Sensity AI. school surveillance tools. The pandemic era shift to remote learning sparked an acceleration of an already growing trend. Education technology companies jockeying to sell schools on systems for monitoring students and filtering their internet browsing. Although school administrators will argue that these tools are necessary to ensure kids' safety online, Newly released data highlights several privacy concerns and unintended consequences caused by their rapid deployment. Kids and parents nationwide are concerned about the new technology, with students from historically marginalized communities bearing the brunt of it. The Center for Democracy and Technology, CDT, surveyed over 1,000 high school students and 1,000 teachers and parents of middle and high school age students to gauge their attitudes toward edtech tools, education technology tools. Content filtering tools that prevent users from searching for specific keywords on school devices were ubiquitous, with nearly 100% of teachers surveyed saying that their schools use them in some capacity. Students and teachers say those tools are making their lives more difficult. The report stated that, whether old or new, technologies deployed across schools negatively impact students and schools are out of step in addressing rising concerns. Almost three quarters of the students surveyed by CDT said these filtering tools made it more difficult for them to complete coursework by blocking access to helpful and useful content and information, and the teachers actually agreed with them. Nearly half of those surveyed in the report said they thought filtering technology left students siloed away from content that would help them learn as a student or grow as a human being. Both teachers and students say filtering originally intended to target adult content is instead being used by some school administrators to block LGBTQ plus and race-related content that they deem inappropriate. Disciplinary action and punishment for violations are not experienced at the same rate for all students. The report found students who identify as LGBTQ+, and those with disabilities in individualized education programs were more likely to get in trouble due to these tools. 19% of students at schools that use filtering technology say they were even aware of students who were outed for being LGBTQ+, as a result of the filtering, and that's up 6 percentage points 
from the 2021-2022 school year. AI-enabled activity monitoring software that tracks students' online activity is similarly altering students' day-to-day lives. Around two-thirds of teachers surveyed said they had seen students disciplined at school as a result of AI-powered monitoring software. Shockingly, 38% of teachers said they were even aware of a student who was contacted by law enforcement as a result of the monitoring. Teachers, students, and parents alike similarly expressed concerns over school administrators' handling of potentially sensitive student data. More than two-thirds, 73% of parents, said they were concerned, a figure up by 12 percentage points from those surveyed a year prior. Despite those concerns, just 31% of the parents said their schools solicited their inputs on how to responsibly use student data. Recent high-profile data breaches and ransomware attacks targeting school systems may have contributed to these growing anxieties. A coalition of 19 organizations, including the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, the Barcelona Center for Mental Health Law, and the Center for Learner Equity, referenced the new report in a letter sent to the Department of Education, where they called on government officials to issue clearer guidance on the ways that schools can prevent discrimination against protected classes of students carried out via EdTech. Recent advances in generative AI technologies like ChatGPT and Google Bard are already impacting students' daily lives. Half of the teachers surveyed by CDT said they were aware of a student who had gotten in trouble for using generative AI to complete assignments, while 58% of students admitted to using generative AI. As I mentioned in the previous segment, tech firms are racing to develop generative AI detection tools to catch those students, but some advocates fear that they could unintentionally penalize non-native English speakers.